With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And finally, the Rangers announced the Capo Caco uh, extension. That's kind of the last domino to fall for the Rangers offseason here. Uh, Ranger fans were wondering and hoping that Kako would resign, and the Rangers finally did make it official a two-year bridge deal, which is what we thought would happen at two point one million as an average annual salary. And I think you know that's the number the Rangers wanted him at. I think that was a great deal for the Rangers. Kako's team was most likely holding out and are hoping for more. Uh, I think I'm sure they were probably hoping for a offer sheet that never came from anyone. And I think Chris Drury played it great, kind of weighed them out. Got them at the number they wanted. The Rangers are now uh, just about a million dollars under the cap heading into the season, where I think it's exactly where they want it to be. And, uh, you know, obviously I they can make another small move, but it would really put them close to the cap. And uh, I, I think this is the Rangers team we're going to see going forward. They also made a small signing today in forward C.J. Smith uh, as of Monday. C.J. Smith, uh, who's played 15 NHL games in his career, this last year, he played in one game for Carolina. Uh, he did play, obviously, most of the season in the American Hockey League, where he had 58 points in 60 games and helped lead the Chicago Wolves, the Hurricanes uh, AHL team, to a Calder Cup championship. So uh, a guy who will be a um, most likely a top forward for Hartford, a guy 
that would probably replace, you know, an Anthony Greco who moved on. Um, and also Nick Merkley who moved on to a KHL deal, uh, also signing that Monday. So he's a guy who can come in veteran guy has some NHL experience, has had some really good season in the American hockey league. So uh, I think he was ranked the 21st, uh, available player in the American hockey league free agency rate, um, ranking. So, uh, a good get for the Hartford team and it's a two way deal. So who knows if there are injuries to the NHL level, maybe he's a guy that the Rangers look to, uh, as a possible, if he's, you know, playing very well at Hartford as a possible guy to fill in here and there for injuries. Um, the other news for the Rangers that came out Monday was uh second round pick. Adam Sakura is apparently uh, staying in uh, Slovakia next season. There was speculation that uh, he could go to the WHL as medicine hat drafted him. Number one overall in the international draft. Um, so they held his rights in the WHL. Um, but Sakura looks like it's according to a, uh, Slovakian newspaper uh, it looks like he will be returning to to the same team he played for last year in the Slovakian Senior League and team where he played as a 16 17 year old so obviously playing against men I think that's a perfect place for him to be uh, to develop his game and uh, you know obviously staying home there is important to him and uh, I think it's just a good move overall and uh, now you know we're heading into August now before you know the mid-September where the training camps start getting rolling a little bit. There's a very quiet period right now. So uh, we are lucky enough because of the World Junior Championships get canceled back in December due to COVID. They are re uh, rerunning it, and uh, they'll be starting back up uh, August 9th, I believe, is the first games. So the Rangers right now, nothing's official yet. Uh, but it looks like the Rangers will have seven players or seven prospects playing in the tournament. Uh, now, it was announced Monday afternoon that Team Canada's roster. So we do know that Will Cooley and uh, Dylan Grant, who were on the team back in December, will be returning to Team Canada to play uh, in the new tournament. And Brennan Othman, the first-round pick from 2021, will also be on the team. He was admitted the first time around, which was a surprise move then, but... Uh, you score 50 goals in the O and you get <laughs> you get put on Team Canada. So uh, there'll be three Ranger prospects that are now official on Team Canada for this go around. Uh, it's not official yet, but it looks like Brett Berard will be on Team USA. Um, he's in the final 27-man roster cut, and he was on Team USA uh, last year. He was on Team US, the same team uh, in December, so I, I can't see him. Uh, missing the tournament other than a, an injury that happens right before the tournament starts. So it looks like Brett Berard will be on Team USA. Uh, Adam Sikora, we just were talking about, uh, he will be on uh, uh, Team uh, Slovakia. Uh, so, that, you know, obviously they have a ton of young talent there. So Sikora will be in the Slovakian team. And I'm going to get these next two guys' names wrong. I apologize. But uh, Yaroslav Chemler, Chemlier. Uh, who was a 2021 uh, fifth-round pick of the Rangers, uh, will be playing for the Czechs. And actually, he's now committed to, quote, to play at Providence next year. So he'll be Brett Berard's college teammate next year. And then also Kale uh, Vizenin. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with these European names. He'll be suiting up for Team Finland. And uh, Kale was a 2021 fourth-round pick of the Rangers. So 
Uh, seven guys to watch. Hockey in August. You know, obviously not much going on. So this will be all the hockey out the world will be on the be paying attention to this. So uh, having seven guys there is, is pretty remarkable. It just shows his Rangers how good and how deep this prospect pool is. And, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon, he should be applauded for a lot of these guys and uh, putting the Rangers in this position once that once they decided to go with the rebuild and the letter came out. It is remarkable how fast the Rangers have been able to turn around and the young talent they've got in this team and not only drafting players, but the young players they have acquired. You know, some haven't worked out like Hayek and Howden, um, but a lot of these guys, you know, obviously Fox guy came right in. Uh, you know, they've now had an Igor Sturkin, another draft pick, you know, back-to-back years winning major awards. You know, you got guys like Keandre Miller, who's ready to take off as a superstar. Um, you know, Ryan Lindgren has been fantastic since he's come over from Boston and out of their system, but as a guy that they obviously saw and liked, and they targeted him in that trade, and he's come in after, you know, working with the Rangers and, and Hartford for a little bit and has been a fantastic addition to the Rangers team. You know, obviously Lafreniere had a very strong second year. Kaka, who knows? You know, he's a guy, you know, hopefully this new deal will get him going. But, you know, look at the Rangers. It, rebuild has been fantastic. And, you know, a lot of the guys have graduated. But, you know, Braden Schneider now looks like a solid, very solid NHL defenseman. And then, you know, we talked about this week's guest, uh, Vince McCagliano, who does a fantastic job covering the team for USA Today. You know, we talked about that sixth and seventh defenseman. And it comes down to one. It's give you one of these young guys. It's give you there a Niels Lundqvist, who's you know obviously a first round pick. Uh, Zach Jones, who's a third round pick, but has had a very you know had a fantastic college career. Or Matthew Robertson, who's a second round pick and had a fantastic career in the WHL. So it could be one of those three young guys, or Libor Hayek, another guy who got you know Rangers targeted him in the Ryan McDonough trade. So you know all these young guys are going to have a huge impact on this roster, and it 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 you know because of this great prospect pool the Rangers have really been able to either use them in trades or have they've made an impact for the Rangers at the NHL level and um you know you look at the kid line last year and the kid line was you know <laughs> maybe the best line for the Rangers in the playoffs at, at, at points so uh you know Philip Hedo obviously is an original Rangers draft pick he was a little bit before the the letter when it came out but a homegrown guy there and uh you know the the, the kids give this team so much energy so uh, it's very exciting to see seven more players that uh, could possibly make an impact the Rangers very, very soon playing this World Junior Championship. And then talking about our conversation with Vince, so not only do we talk about the sixth and seventh D-man spot, you know, we talk about the Kako resigning and kind of how that played out. Talk about another young guy, Julian Gauthier. You know, what's his deal? Obviously, he requests a trade, um, but that Rangers right side, you know, you got Kako kind of set. You know, seems like Lafreniere is going to have to be that guy to move to the right side to see the top six minutes. And then other than that, you got Gauthier there on the right side. You got Ryan Reeves on the right side. You know, it looks like Sammy Blake could possibly play on the right side. But, you know, that's a big question mark. It's a sixth and seventh team man. And then who's going to play the, on the right wing for the New York Rangers uh, up and down the lineup? Those are the two question marks heading to the training camp. And then we talk about prospect camp. He's still Adam, uh, Adam Sakura. Uh, you know, uh, in the prospect camps, talk about what he saw from him for the first time. You know, obviously, Brent Offman, Will Cooley, who were there again. We talk about them and, and their possible, you know, is there a possibility for a roster spot for them or 
uh, a Bobby Trevino who obviously had an outstanding college career and Vince was, you know, he was very impressed by him at the prospect camps. So we talk about all that, you know, some fun Ranger captain talk. Um, it's always fun to hear other people's opinion on the Rangers captain situation. Obviously it's mostly for fans, but uh, it's still fun to talk about. And then everyone knows that Vince loves his food. So we talk about, you know, some of the press boxes, food this in this year, who was his favorite. So uh, Vince is fantastic. And, uh, but before we send over to interview events, I do want to tell you about our sponsors over at in the clutch.com. Now, if you're looking for any kind of t-shirt apparel this, this summer, either NBA, NHL, MLB, uh, any NFL, anything, make sure you go to in the clutch.com. They have every t-shirt you could ever want. They have teams, players, you know, throwbacks, new stuff, anything you want in the clutch.com has it. And when you go there, use the code Broadway and save 10% off. And, you know, if you're a Ranger fan, you're looking to get some gear for next year. We have two T-shirts up there, two Ranger shirts up there from last season. Um, you know, they're great designs. They're, they're timeless designs. It's not like they went out of style. So if you're looking for a Ranger T-shirt, go on in the clutch.com. Use that code Broadway and save 10% off today. We have a very special guest today. We're joined for the second time on the show. Uh, Vince Bacarliano from USA Today, one of the best New York Rangers beat reporters. He is the man to go to for all New York Ranger inside information. Vince, thanks so much for joining us. No problem, Kyle. How are you doing? Good, good. So, uh, I mean, the big news last week is Kako finally resigning. I think that kind of put to bed a lot of the questions Ranger fans had for the uh, offseason now. And, uh, you know, not now you get everyone can just go back to talking about Patrick Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're going to find me talking about Kane too much yet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe as we get close to the trade deadline, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sense there was a whole lot there this summer. I think that was more of an internet rumor than anything else. Uh, but the Kako deal, uh, 2.1 uh, AAV. I feel like that's a deal that the Rangers are probably hoping to get from him. And it, did you get the sense that the cock, that, that his camp was kind of holding out for more? Like what, what do you think took so long to get that deal done? Yeah, I mean, I guess it took a little longer than than ideally, you know, fans would have liked. I had been hearing, and I, I had I had tweeted this out. I, I think it was the weekend before the Fourth of July that the framework was in place. It was going to be a two year bridge deal. I think everyone knew that. I had been hearing for a while that it was going to be similar to Philip Heedle's deal. He got two point three, and I know that the range that they were talking about with Kako was between two. And between and 2.5. Now, obviously, Kako's camp wanted that as close to 2.5 as possible. The Rangers wanted it as close to two as possible. And I think from the outside looking in, you could probably say, well, that doesn't seem like a huge difference. Like, why would they hold out or why would the negotiations linger just over a few hundred thousand dollars potentially? But from the Rangers perspective, those few hundred thousand dollars really meant mm -hmm. a lot. Getting him at 2.1, which, you know, my understanding is that they were willing to be patient. Obviously, they weren't very concerned about the offer sheet possibility. So they were willing to be patient to make that number as close to two as possible, because what that means now, my projection has the Rangers. I'm assuming they're going to go into the season with a 22-man roster. I think it's just too tight for them to go with 23. So right now I've got them with a little under a million, closer to 900,000 in available cap space. So with that number, that gives them the wiggle room to make a call up if needed. It gives them enough breathing room to start the season comfortably under the cap. 
But more importantly, as you look toward the trade deadline and the accrual process, I think this is something that fans are learning more about because the Rangers would start with, let's say, 900,000. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The rough math for the accrual process at the trade deadline is multiplying by four. So if they can maintain that 900,000 or so in cap space, by the time they get to the trade deadline, they'll be looking at a real number of around 4 million in cap space. And actually they can add to that number if they do some, you know, variations throughout the season of like sending guys down on Mm -hmm. off days to, to add even more and kind of chip away at it that way. The accrual process means that, Every day you add a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, depending on where you sit under the cap. So the Rangers keeping Kako at 2.1 now puts them at around 900,000 in cap space. What that means is they could potentially be looking at four, maybe even 5 million in cap space by the time the trade deadline comes around. Whereas let's say they would have paid Kako 2.5. Then they would have been starting the season with about 500,000 in cap space. And if you multiply that number by four, you're only looking at about 2 million Mm -hmm. in cap space by the time the trade deadline comes around. So the difference for them between Kako at 2.1 and Kako at 2.5 could be very significant by the time you get to the trade deadline. So that is what I believe was a main motivation for the Rangers to, to kind of hold out and try to keep the deal as low as possible. It, it it stinks from the standpoint of the player's perspective because, you know, you don't want to see them having to pinch pennies on a guy that could be a pivotal part of their future like that. But you saw what an impact it made for the Rangers to have cap space at the deadline this year. They were yeah. able to go out and make some really important moves that bolstered their roster going into the playoffs. And I think if they weren't able to make those moves, you wouldn't have felt nearly as good about their their opportunity to go on a run in the playoffs the way that they did. So I think Chris Drury has seen the value of cap space at the trade deadline. And I think that was the main reason that they wanted to keep Kako's number as low as possible going into the season. And that's how they ended up at 2.1. Now, I think that if Kako did not have the whole game six benching, this wouldn't have been as big of a deal. I think people were trying to read between the lines like, oh, they're they're holding on signing him and he didn't play in that last game. Like maybe he's angry, maybe his agent's upset. Like, do you think that had any involvement in this at all? Or do you think it just came down to they weighed him out? His agent was probably hoping for an offer sheet from somebody or trying to get more money out of it. And then this just kind of came to an end. Yeah, I, I think it, it got to a point where Kako's team probably wanted to wait and see what materialized. Would an offer sheet come? Would 
the Rangers up their offer a little bit, you know, what could they get? And then eventually they reached the conclusion that this was the best that they were going to get. And, and, you know, they were willing to accept it. I don't think from, from either side Rangers or Kako that the, the game six thing as questionable as it was. And I think it was quite frankly, the wrong decision, all things considered when you, when you figure all factors and what he should mean to this team and, and, you know, whether or not it actually put the best team on the ice for them in that game. I I don't think it made much sense to sit him, but right away, the impression that I got from both sides was that this is not a big deal. Kako said that himself on breakup day. He said, if anything, it's going to be motivation for him. I I heard that from multiple sources going into the summer that this was not going to be a thing that would motivate him to ask for a trade or, or really try to push the issue of getting out of New York. I believe he wants to make it work here. And I believe that the Rangers, at least, you know, Chris jury in the front office still view him as an important part of the future here, whether or not it made sense for Gerard Gallant to risk fracturing that relationship in that way, I think is absolutely legitimate, but I I don't sense that there is some rift between Kako and the organization right now. And quite frankly, if you look at their depth chart at right wing, looks like Kako is going to have a real opportunity to play in the top six right out of training camp. So I, I think right now, as far as the curiosity of what might have resulted from that benching, I don't think that this is going to be a lingering issue. Now, you know, if, Kako ends up getting buried during the season and this becomes a habit. Well, then maybe it becomes more of a story, but my sense off the bat was that it was not viewed as a, as a huge deal by either side. Now talk about that right wing position. Vitaly Kratsov is now back in the picture, back from Russia, you know, whatever, try number three, I guess with Kratsov. It, am I maybe, I might be the only one here, but I'm just not ready to get, get this guy like, you know, a second line spot in this team. I feel like there's so much more to prove from him and he, like, do you think he's locked into this top nine spot there, or does he have to really earn the spot in training camp? Well, I definitely think he's going to have to earn it. I don't think they're going to just throw him into the top six. I would be surprised if on the first day of camp, when they roll out the lines for the first time and you see the different jersey, you know, each line is grouped by jersey color. I would be surprised to see him right in a top six spot. But I do think top nine is a very real possibility for him to start the season. And again, you look at that right wing depth chart, you have Kako at the top, and then what do you really have? We do expect that there's a good chance that Alexi Lafreniere will switch to the right side so that he can be your other top six right winger. But then even, you know, if you have Lafreniere and Kako in those first two spots, again, I ask, What do you have after then? You know, you have Ryan Reeves as a natural right winger, but he's certainly not going to play in the top nine. You could maybe play Barclay Gaudreau there. You could maybe play Sammy Blay there, but I think Blay is probably more likely going to play on the left side. I think Gaudreau, we know that he can move around. He could center the fourth line, but you could also make in-game adjustments. He can play left wing. He can play right wing. He can play all different positions up and down the lineup. So, Kratzoff to me looks like he has a real opportunity in front of him to play on the right wing. And that is surprising. Listen, I had been hearing 10 months ago, whatever it was right out of training camp, that this was almost surely heading for a trade that he wanted out. We know that he wanted out. We know that the Rangers weren't happy with him. We know all the drama that went down with him refusing that assignment to the AHL last season. So it looked like it was heading for a divorce for sure, but I think Drury was not 
satisfied with what he was finding on the trade market. I think a lot of teams are trying to buy low on Kratzoff and Drury was not willing to on that. So time has sort of forced them into this situation where even though the relationship I still don't believe is great, it's sort of like both sides have come to the realization that they need each other. Kratzoff did not like the way that he was being perceived. He did not want to be perceived as a guy who was entitled or, you know, was going to make a, make a hard time for the Rangers. Uh, you know, I think he didn't like the way that he was being painted as sort of this guy who's, who took his ball and went home when he didn't get what he wanted. So I think he wants to repair his image. I think he very much wants to show that he can play in the NHL and the Rangers right now are the only opportunity he has to do that since he's still under contract with them. And from the Rangers perspective, they're in such a tight salary cap crunch that if you could potentially get a top nine forward at a position of need, whose contract is only 875,000, well, that's very valuable for them as well. So Mm -hmm. I think both sides right now are going to give this a try. Now I still would not rule out a trade at any point, whether it happened this summer or sometime, sometime down the line, I still think that's a real possibility, but all signs to me right now from everything I've been hearing is that, there has been a 180 on both sides and that right now the plan is for him to get a real shot at being in the opening night lineup. And the other thing that I would point out here is that in the past, the Rangers could assign him to the minors and not have to worry about waivers. But now that his entry level contract is done for the Rangers to demote him would mean exposing him to waivers. And they are not, I repeat, not going to do that. They are not going to risk losing him on waivers. So if he is still here come training camp, I absolutely believe he will be on the NHL roster. So that is where it's kind of come full circle. And I think this is sort of a last opportunity for him in a lot of ways. But I think, again, when you look at what both sides want, he wants to prove he can play in the NHL. The Rangers could use a cheap right winger with some upside. It kind of makes sense now that Mm -hmm. they're going to give this one last try. And that's what I've been hearing for the last month or so. Yeah, they were afraid to put Lieber Hayek on waivers. They could be very afraid to put on Kratzoff on waivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I, I, if I'm projecting right now, my best guess is that you're going to see him roll out to begin training camp on the third line. And then based on performance, he could improve upon that or he could you know, get demoted from that. Uh, but I, I do think that he is the most logical candidate to, to be that third right winger behind Lafreniere and Kaka right now. And the other right winger, a lot of a lot of questions are surrounding the right wing for the Rangers. Julian Gauthier re-signed a deal before the draft. Everyone thought that was kind of the move before trading him on draft day. Doesn't get dealt. I believe he's asked for a trade. I think that 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 came out from his agent. Um, is he going to be around in training camp, or do you think they get rid of him before training camp? What's his deal? I've been hearing that they've been shopping him, but I just don't think there's much interest out there as far as giving something significant back in return. So. We've seen Chris Drury is willing to hold the asset. He did that with Kratzoff. He's done that with Hayek. He's done that with prospects, big, small, you know, wherever you want to rate them. So I don't think he's just going to give him away, but realistically, what are you getting in return for a guy who has not been very productive in the Mm -hmm. NHL? You know, maybe a late round pick is what they're going to have to settle for. I do believe that they're looking into trading him still. That is something that I think could materialize before the start of the season. I do not see how you give him a roster spot with this current cap crunch. I think mm-hmm. 
They're probably going to roll with 13 forwards. So you'll have the 12 regulars in the lineup. We just talked a lot about who the top nine guys would be. You know, those last few spots, Reeves, Hunt. I think Ryan Carpenter is a guy that is probably going to have an NHL spot, and especially because he has the versatility to play center. So that was a free agent signing that they made only $750,000 this offseason. So I don't really see a spot for, for Gautier right now. So maybe it would come to the point where they had to demote him and expose him to waivers, but their preference is obviously going to be trade him and at least get something for him. But I, I don't think you could justify on a team with Stanley cup aspirations, giving him a lineup spot, given the lack of production that we've seen from him at the NHL level. And then other than the right wing, it seems like that sixth, seventh D man is the next biggest question for the Rangers. Now they're locked into that top five. I mean, I take that top five toe to toe to anyone in the NHL right now. Uh, and now you have Leor Hayek, who's obviously still sticking around. Like you said, Chris really holds on to these assets. Leor Hayek's still around, but I think it's to come down to uh, more of a Lundqvist Jones and, and Matthew Robertson battle there in training camp. Uh, is that how you see it? Kind of an open spot for that sixth position and then Hayek kind of locked into that seventh position as kind of, you almost come a veteran now, but you don't want one of these young guys just kind of sitting there in the seventh spot, not seeing game action like they would in the American League. Yeah, so I, I would not rule out. In fact, in some ways, I expect that they will bring in on some kind of a tryout deal, some sort of veteran for training camp. I would keep my radar up for that. I think they are looking into that. I do expect some kind of veteran competition to be added for camp, but right now it is very much shaping up to be a battle between those three prospects that you mentioned, Jones, Lundquist, and I think Robertson is a little bit of a sleeper candidate. You know, you look at Jones and Lundquist, the skill sets are similar. Jones was more productive at the AHL level last season. Jones, I think also has an advantage because he's a left-handed shot, whereas Lundqvist is a right-handed shot. And you're talking about who's in a play next to a right-handed defenseman in Braden Schneider. Schneider is pretty much locked into that role. So I, I would look at Jones as having a slightly or slight edge, I should say, heading into training camp because he was more productive in the AHL, because I think the Rangers have viewed him as maybe the next prospect in line for the last year or so. But both him and Lundqvist are smaller guys. They're going to come with questions about their defensive ability and how they're going to hold up to the physicality of the NHL and whether or not they're ready from a defensive standpoint. Robertson is not going to have those questions. This is a six foot four kid, big, strong, not the most physical, but very defensively sound. I, a lot of scouts that I've talked to like him from that standpoint, watching him at development camp a couple of weeks ago, I did think that he was really sound with his positioning. I did think he made really good use of his reach and, and was really effective with poke checks and, and using his stick to defend guys. So, you know, he doesn't quite have that mean streak that, that you might look for from a guy that size, but I think that there are a lot of tools to like there. He's fairly mobile for his size. I think he skates pretty well and he does move the puck. Well, he's not going to be a big point producer, but I think as far as breakouts and clearing the puck out of his own zone, the Rangers feel pretty confident with him from that standpoint. So it would not shock me if Gerard Gallant takes a look at this big six foot four kid next to these other guys that are under six foot and feels more comfortable with the guy who he feels like is better defensively and has more size. But Jones to me is probably the slight favorite going into camp. Lundquist, I mean, let's not forget that at this time last year, a lot of people thought he was the best prospect in the organization. So I still wouldn't rule him out. I think you have to look at it 
like an open competition between those three guys. May the best man win. And then from there, the other two are almost certainly going to go to Hartford. Mm -hmm. And I think as we look toward that trade deadline, the Rangers are very much going to be shopping whichever two don't make the NHL lineup. Because the way I look at it is the longer you hold on to these guys, the more their value is going to deteriorate. You can't just bury them in Hartford for multiple years at a time. I do believe that those are going to be some of the prime trade chips that the Rangers look to use. They have an excess of defenseman prospects. And at some point you, you come to the realization, we're not fitting all these guys in our NHL lineup. So what are we going to do with them? So I, if it, if it were up to me, and this looks to be the way that the Rangers are leaning, you, you give those guys a chance to win the job at a camp, see who wins it, how the, how the competition shape, shapes out. Like I said, the other two probably head back to Hartford. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. for the time being at least. And then that seventh spot, I do think Libor Hayek is going to get real consideration there because he he's not at that point where you feel like he's eventually going to have a chance to be in the NHL lineup. That ship has sailed, but as a seventh guy, who's not going to play much and just travel with the team, you know, I, I think he's kind of a safe bet. He's a cheap option. Jared Tenorti could also factor in there. Let's not forget. He was a veteran that they signed last year. Who's still under contract for one more year. So I think that seventh spot is probably either Hayek or Tenorti because those are guys that if they go the whole season, barely playing, you don't feel like it's really much of a detriment to their development. Cause those aren't guys that you're, you're thinking of as long-term pieces anyway. So I think one of the kids should be the sixth spot, either Hayek or Tenorti is the seventh spot. And then, you know, whoever's left over after that probably ends up being trade consideration. I saw a fun fact on Hayek. He had the uh, second most time in the NHL playing the least amount of games last season. So only one yeah, guy. I, yeah. Only one guy played less games, but was on the NHL quote unquote roster for that time period. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of been an odd saga because everybody knows he has no real chance of playing, like even if. If he stays as the seventh defenseman and one of the top six gets hurt, the most likely outcome is that a call-up is going to come in and play in the lineup and Hayek would stay as the seventh defenseman. Like it's hard to see him getting a lot of playing time, which is unfortunate for him. He's a really, he's a really nice kid. Like, 
you know, you'd like to see him get a real opportunity somewhere, but realistically, from what we've seen, he has not proven that he is going, he, he should be a top six defenseman on a playoff team like the Rangers. So it just kind of is what it is at this point. And you got a good up close look at Adam Sakura at prospect camp. Uh, what he do to impress you there? He, I, I wrote about this. Everything he does is fast. Like every, you know, in the scrimmage, he was all over the place. Every drill, he's going as hard as he possibly can. But even in between drills, going from one to the next, he's just always skating full speed. And then when you talk to him, when he comes off the ice, he, he talks a mile a minute as well. So he's just a kid who's filled with energy. You know, the Rangers love him from that standpoint. They, you can envision him in the future being a guy who plays like a third line role is a pest on the four check gets under opponent's skin skates really well. So they view him. I, I believe as a guy who eventually will play that kind of role, how much offense he has in the tank, I think will be a question mark. I and mean, he even said to me, you know, the main way that I score goals is crashing the net and getting to those dirty areas and just, you know, being a guy who's all over the place. You don't see at this point, a high upside skill guy, but that could develop. He's still only 17 years old. And he's obviously a guy that has earned trust everywhere he's been because of the work ethic, because of the motor. That's why uh, on his, on his team in, um, in the Slovakian team that he plays for HK Nitra, he was already promoted to the men's league and had a full-time role for them as a 17 year old. He got to play for the Slovakian national team already he's definitely going to be on their world juniors team so this is a guy that everywhere you go everywhere he goes you hear that people love him and that's because he plays so hard so i think the rangers are really happy with where they got him at 63 overall in the draft i think had they even had a late first round early second round pick they would have considered him because that's how high they were on him he projects at this point as more of a energy bottom six guy but we'll see how the development plays out because there's still a long way to go I saw there's some comparisons to Jesper Foss in his game. You think that's a fair comparison? Yeah, I mean, he he is viewed right now as a defensive first forward who just plays with heart and speed and determination and all that. So that that probably is a pretty fair comparison at this point. We'll see if, you know, I, I don't want to put a, a ceiling on him yet because I want to see how the offensive side and the skill develops. But the Rangers drafted him for speed, for forecheck, for defense. Those are the elements of, of his game that they already feel good about. And then Brennan Offman and Will Cooley were obviously there at Prospect Camp as well. And Bobby Trevino, I, I view those three as maybe the next uh, prospects that could maybe challenge for a roster spot come training camp. Yeah, you know, we kind of have to always start with the reality that Othman cannot go to the AHL mm -hmm. this year. So even though we know that he just dominated the OHL and seems to be ready for the next step, we also know that asking him to go straight from the OHL to the NHL is a huge leap. And because his entry-level contract can slide, the Rangers, I think, are more likely to play this cautious. He would have to really, really be a huge standout at NHL training camp to force his way onto the roster. I would be surprised if he's not back in the OHL next year. The Rangers slide the contract. And then for the 23-24 season, they're you know, that's when you're really looking at him to, to maybe make the jump and go into the NHL. It's it's not, I don't think, the best thing for his development. It kind of stinks, in my opinion, that he does not have the option of going to the AHL because I think that would be the logical next challenge for him. But Othman is in 
he's in a difficult spot right now because you know, you're not going to keep him on the NHL roster if he's not going to be an everyday regular for you. And it just doesn't look like there's a spot for him right now. Now injuries could change that. Obviously his training camp performance could potentially change that. But my expectation is that he's probably going back to the OHL for one more year. Even though I think of those three guys you named, you know, you talk to different scouts and people, he, a lot of people believe is now the best prospect in the organization, given the guys who have graduated in the last couple of years. Cooley, on the other hand, is eligible for the AHL. And I believe that will be the plan for him. Now, you could see him at some point this season, if he brings the physicality and the edge and all that stuff that the Rangers like him for, and he does have some scoring upside. This was a highly productive player in the OHL last year. You could see him eventually forcing his way into the NHL lineup, but I think in all likelihood, they're going to want him to start the season in the AHL, get more experience there, prove that he can be productive there. And then, you know, you look at him as a potential call up a month, two months, maybe later on in the season, whenever it might be. So he will have an opportunity to play in the NHL. His entry-level contract will start this season. I just, I think to make it right out of training camp is probably a bit of a long shot for him, given all the names that we've gone over mm-hmm. who look like they're, they're probably more in line for NHL spots. Although him, I think it's more likely for him than Offman for the reasons that we've talked about. Trevino is the interesting one to me. Now, to me, he was the best player on the ice throughout the week for development camp, but this is a 23 year old guy who has four years of college experience with a Hobie Baker finalist, all that kind of stuff playing against 17, 18, 19 year old kids. So in a lot of ways, you should expect him to be a standout in that environment. But with that being said, that was my first chance to see him up close. And, you know, we talked about the motor with Sakura. Well, the motor never stops running for Trevino either. This guy, he understands what his perceived limitations are because he's only five foot eight. He's, he's almost always the smallest guy in the ice and he works his butt off to overcome that. I, I actually spoke to his coach, uh, Greg Carvel from, uh, or, uh, from, from UMass, uh, recently or earlier this week, I should say for this prospect series that I'm working on, where we're ranking the top 10 prospects in the organization and Trevino, even though he's undrafted is forcing his way into that conversation. The Rangers coveted him out of college. They made it a priority to sign him as an undrafted free agent. And it's because they believe that he has the ability to carve out an NHL role in the bottom six. He was a high scoring player in college and there's definitely some skill there but in all likelihood this is a guy who's probably going to push for a bottom six role and he brings the speed and the skating and he's he's sound defensively and he's really aggressive on the four check and he's going to be a guy who plays with that relentlessness that I think is going to appeal to Gerard Gallant so Trevino I'm curious to see how he fares at training camp. I think it's going to be really interesting to see him play against NHL caliber players. I also think he's most likely going to start the season with Hartford, but if he's lighting it up there, eventually there will come a point where the Rangers say, okay, we got to give this guy a look. So he's another guy that I would look at as a very realistic call-up option this season, depending how he does in the AHL. But I was, I was very impressed with him at the development camp. I, his, not only his demeanor on the ice where he works incredibly hard on every single shift, but also off the ice. This is a guy with a chip on his shoulder who has a lot to prove and seems very, very motivated to prove the doubters wrong. And if I, I believe I saw that he can play center and both wings. Is that right? He, he can play basically every position. 
Uh, they, they, he's going to be, I think he's a winger. If, if you're projecting him as, a, as an NHL, uh, as an NHL guy, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if he played, I mean, maybe he played some center at UMass, but I know he was more on the wing and I know that that's where the intention is going to be to play him in Hartford. So I, I would look at him as more of a bottom six winger and, you know, I, could he, I, I asked the question, could he play a fourth line role? Like, does he have that kind of game in him? Because people look at the point production in college and you figure, okay, well, this is a top line guy in college. Can he make the adjustment to be a bottom six guy in the NHL? And most people that I've spoken with believe that he does have all those different elements, you know, as far as the defense and the forecheck and the work ethic to, to be a bottom six impact player. Okay. Um, big question here for you. The Rangers name a captain next year. You know, everybody, everybody asked this question. I'm not going to make any predictions on that. <laughs> I would not be surprised if they don't. My impression of it is that it has become a bigger deal for the fans than I think it is within the locker room. I really do think that the players on the team liked the arrangement for last season because it didn't put the onus on one guy to mm-hmm. lead. That leadership group that they had, everybody had a role in that locker room as far as you know who was more vocal, who was more lead by example, who was more kind of pulling guys aside who was delivering messages through the media. I think, you know, wh- whether you're talking about Kreider or Mika or Truba, Strom, I think was a, was a big leadership guy for them last year. I think each, even some of the younger guys, I think are starting to take on more leadership roles when you look at Fox and Lindgren in particular. So I think they liked sharing those responsibilities and they were very comfortable with the arrangement last year. So because of the success that they had last year and because I think the players liked it the way it was it would not surprise me at all if they keep it the same now with that being said chris drury and gerard glant both said at the end of the year that it's something they're going to talk about and evaluate this summer and discuss during training camp so maybe by the end of training camp they decide okay we got to make it this guy but you know this has been a lingering question for a few years now every year you kind of feel like okay this is going to be the year they do it and, <laughs> and then they don't so at this point, I would not be surprised at all if they just keep it as is. And they wait a few years till maybe one of the younger guys they feel like has really come into his own and emerged as the leader, the guy that has to wear the C. But right now, I feel like they look at it like we have a variety of guys who play different roles from a leadership standpoint. Let them each keep doing their thing without all the pressure going to one guy. What'd you make of the report about Truba apparently being named captain and turned down by Ranger Brass? Uh, I know that Truba, I I had a a very reliable source say this to me two years ago, that don't be surprised if it ends up being Truba at some point, because behind the scenes, he has become a go-to guy. Now, I've heard this from players, like at intermission, if a message needs to be delivered to the players, like, hey, we got to wake up or we got to change this or that. A lot of times Truba is the guy that steps up and speaks in front of the room. So that tells you something. And I also know that Truba has become a guy who like with the group text messages and keeping guys on task and keeping team activities organized, that Truba does a lot of that stuff as well. So he has definitely emerged as one of the guys. But I also believe that strong consideration was given to Chris Kreider. I think if you asked me last season who set the tone for the team who was looked up to the most by some of the younger players. I think in a lot of ways, Chris Kreider, 
was that guy last season. So I also believe that strong consideration was given to him, but were they planning to name somebody and then somebody at the top turned it down? I I have not heard that myself. I don't have any reporting to back that up. So I'm not going to say yes or no to that one way or another. I, I really think the impression that I got was that Gerard Gallant, and he told us this, he felt like he wasn't super confident in picking one guy. And so his recommendation to Chris Drury was, I don't want to pick someone. Uh, let's just roll with the A's. And that's what they decided to do. That's what, that's what Gallant told us. So my understanding is that's how it, that's how it went down. Uh, the Rangers' big signing, Vincent Trocek, coming in from Carolina. Do you see him as a, a definite upgrade from Strom and Cop, or you see it kind of as a trade, a equal trade out? Well, the the Rangers definitely see it as an upgrade. <laughs> I can tell you that. You you just look at the contracts. They were willing to go seven years for Trocek. They weren't willing to go even to five for Cop or Strom. I, I know. I I I think I might. I forget if I talked to you about this, Kyle. I know I reported it extensively back in the. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF late fall, early winter, mm -hmm. the Rangers made a push to sign Ryan Strom to a contract extension. And I know they were willing to give him 5 million, maybe even a little over 5 million per season. Where I think the holdup was, was the term. I don't think the Rangers wanted to go five years for him. And that ultimately led to the negotiations breaking down, then putting them on hold. And, and it ultimately led to Strom parting ways with the Rangers. So I don't think, I think the money as far as what they what you see Strom getting with Anaheim five million a year and Cop got the same exact number at five point six two five that that Trocheck ended up getting, I think the money for either Strom or Cop the Rangers were were could have stomached, but they didn't want to go that many years for them. Trocheck they were willing to go the extra mile for, so obviously that tells you that they see him as an upgrade, and I do believe that it is an upgrade. Whether it's a major upgrade or not, I think is debatable, but. I do know that as far as the all-around game, the Rangers believe that Trocek has offense that can match either one of those guys. He's scored 20 goals or more four different seasons in his career. Strom has only done that once. Now, I think Strom, I would argue, is a little bit of a better playmaker. We know the chemistry that he had with Panarin. I think from a passing standpoint, I would give Strom the edge. But I think the Rangers felt like Trocek and Strom offensively are – you know, maybe it's close to even, but defensively, I know they feel that Trocek is going to be much better. I certainly think he's going to be a guy that you see them use on the penalty kill face-offs. We know he's going to, they view him as a, as a bigger upgrade there. You can look at the career face-off percentages. He's certainly better than Strom in that department. I think they view him as a guy who, who is a better skater, which is an important thing. I don't think that's talked about too much, but I do believe that the Rangers internally feel they need to get faster to hang with some of the best teams in the league. You look at how amazingly fast a team like Colorado is. Mm -hmm. I think the Rangers want more foot speed in the lineup. So they, be, they believe that Trocek brings more of that more physical plays with more of an edge. I, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to in the last month or so believe that he's going to be a guy who you're going to see 
you know, winning battles along the boards, getting to the net front, doing a lot of that dirty work that, that maybe, you know, some top six guys are a little more reluctant to do. So I think he on the surface looks like more of a total package than either Strom or cop. I know that's what the Rangers believe. And so that's why they ended up saying, we're going to target him above either of the other two guys. Cause you look at it. I think, you know, if they would have made a similar offer to Strom five years at 5 million or cop five years at 5.6, they would have had a good chance of re-signing either one of those guys. They were willing to go extra years for Trocheck. So that that tells you obviously that they feel like this is this is an upgrade for them. And and based on all the factors that I that I just mentioned, I think he is a better all-around player at this point. Yeah, it was interesting because I think Cop came out and said he never actually, you know, received a contract offer from the Rangers. And then Strom, I don't know if he received an offer or what the deal was. Like, you know, I, we, I think we did talk about back in October when they get signed to extension what the deal is. And it's like, oh, they, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. But I, I honestly, I was surprised it wasn't Strom resigning and that they went and got Trocek. There was a moment in time where I believe that is what the Rangers wanted. I think that in that late November, December time, they had come to the internal conclusion, looking at their salary cap situation that look, when when we're talking about a guy who's going to be in our price range and that meant a guy who was going to start, his contract was going to start as far as average annual value with a number that started with five, they knew they weren't going to be able to go for a six, seven, eight million dollar player like 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 Kadri. So I think that there was a moment in time where the Rangers said, listen, if we could get Strom around five million dollars a season, he's a guy that we would like to consider re-upping because of the chemistry with Panarin, what he means to the locker room, how productive he had been for them. And I think the holdup ended up being years. I think Strom wanted more security as far as the years. And I think the Rangers weren't willing to do that. The negotiations broke down. And I think that was Strom's best opportunity to stay because I think as the season progressed and by the time we got to the summer and all the options, including Trocheck, had become more into focus for the Rangers – then at that point, I think they had the ship had kind of sailed with Strom. And I don't think that they made much of a push to re-sign him, you know, in the last, you know, this summer. I think mm-hmm. I think the, the moment in time where they were like, okay, this is this meets the cost and the need and, and is strikes the right balance between the two for us of what we're going to get for our money, they would have been willing to do it at the time. But I think once it didn't work out, then it, it kind of spelled the end for Strom. Um now, one of the things that Ranger fans look forward to that follow you on Twitter is your food takes and everything around the as you travel around the NHL. Which press box impressed you the most with their food spread this year? Oh, that's a good one. The media meal rankings. Uh, so I definitely have to give a shout out to Raleigh. Uh, the, the Hurricanes, if you go, so you go there for the morning, like most away games, right? The Rangers will do a morning skate usually around 1030 in the morning. So you roll up at the arena in the morning, you watch the team do a light skate. You talk to a few players and you talk to the coach afterwards and all that. You you hang around the arena for a couple hours in the morning. When you walk in at Carolina, you smell the pork cooking. They, they smoke, I believe, or they cook a whole hog in the morning. And so for the media meal, every single time, they have the freshly made pulled pork put out there with all the different Carolina barbecue sauces. And then they have a whole host of other things. They've got a great ice cream station. So Carolina, the Southern hospitality is real. They definitely do it right. I would also give a shout out to Detroit. Detroit has like 
a tremendous buffet. Like they have all different kinds of hot food. You know, it's like, it feels like it just goes forever. And then it's little Caesars arena. So, I mean, obviously little Caesars, I'm not saying they're high quality pizza, but they have like everything that little Caesars makes also laid out. So like Buffalo wings and all kinds of like, you know, pizza breads and stuff like that. Um, and they got a great dessert set up there as well. So Detroit, uh, they, you know, their hot food in particular, like, you know, the steak and all this kind of stuff that they put out is like really high quality. Um, so those are probably the two that come to mind. Tampa does a pretty good job. They have some pretty good stuff during the playoffs. Uh, those might be the top three. Montreal is known for the hot dogs. Uh, I think they're like, you get them during intermission. Uh, they make like special hot dogs. They have these like weird buns that they put them on. It's an experience. It's good. Uh, but I, I think, I think I would probably go Raleigh and Detroit as the top two. After you do the prospect rankings, we might need a press, uh, a media food, uh, ranking before next. You know season. what everybody always asks me about. And I think I'd be more likely to probably put into a story at some point. If I ever find the time if I'm ever like bored one day is the concession rankings at MSG. Cause I do think that, I've that, tried pretty much. I do think I've tried pretty much every concession stand at MSG. What is the go-to though? If you, if you walk in, you got 20 minutes, what, where, what line are you getting on? Where are you going? The prime rib sandwich is legit. Mm-hmm. Have you had it? I have, I have had it. It's very good. It is very it's good. Very, it's very, I mean, I'm like a big medium rare guy. I hate when you go get a steak sandwich and it's overcooked and they do a pretty good job of keeping it medium rare. You know, the bread is good. The meat's high quality. So the prime rib sandwich is good. The sleeper that I've been telling everybody about, and they only opened it like halfway through the season this year. It's right by the team store is the taco stand. Those tacos. I've tried them all. I I'm like, I would actually go out to like a taco stand, you know, elsewhere outside of the arena. If I knew that was the quality of taco, I'm getting it's surprisingly <laughs> good. The tacos are really good. Now I have not had the tacos. My only beef, the only beef, my only thing with the steak is that if you're not there, like the only time you can get it is if you're when you're like 40 minutes early for a game. Cause yeah, the, the line, line is, is so crazy. long. You yeah. can't do it in intermission. You got to do a pregame only. Yeah. That's well, that, only but that's, the beauty, that's the beauty for me is cause you know, for a seven o'clock game, we talked to Gallant at five o'clock. So I'm usually there like four 30 or so. So I can, you know, talk to Gallant, transcribe those quotes and get to the prime rib station by like five 30 before the arena really fills up. Yeah. What, what, you know, great job by you. Good job. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I've know, got I'm, it all mapped out. I've got it all mapped out. <laughs> um, and also we talked to uh, our mutual friend, Colin Stevenson last couple weeks ago, and there was a serious rumor about you possibly cutting the hair. And uh, if you want to address that rumor now, we heard that it might get chopped off this summer. Yeah, well, as you can see, it's still very much here. (laughs) It is on the to-do list, but I mean, you know, you have kids. So like, you know, I go the season, you know, as long as it was super exciting, but it was also like, it shortened my summer quite a bit. We had just closed on a new place in late April. So terrible timing on my part as far as moving. So as soon as the season ended, I had to, you know, make sure that all this stuff that I had been putting on hold with the move was taken care of, you know, getting all stuff done around the house. And then on top of that, having the baby who now I love it, we've kind of, we've scaled back in the daycare for the summer so I can spend more time with him. But you know, like, you know, he's, he's 15, 16 months at this point, he's walking and running. So like, you know, we talk about high motor players. He is a very high motor (laughs) player. And just, you know, banging his head on everything. And so I'm constantly chasing him around, trying to plan activities with him, taking him to the park, taking him to the zoo, taking him to the pool, all that kind of stuff. And then I still have some work stuff going on. And I'm trying to see family and friends that I haven't seen in a while. So 
finding the, the goal for the hair is I want to donate it. I, I've done this in the past. I donated to St. Baldrick's uh, in the past, which yeah. is a hospital for children's cancer. I want to donate it. And I want to make sure I put in the proper research to know that wherever I donate it is a place that actually, you know, puts it to the good use, doesn't like sell it or anything mm -hmm. like that. So I want to properly, you can't just like shave it and put it in a box and send it to them. You have to properly package it and go through the whole process. So I, I want to put the research and the time in to make sure I do that right. But it, it is, it's on the to-do list. I just haven't quite gotten there. My, I absolutely intend to have it gone by the time we get to training camp. It's just the clock is ticking right now. Do you think people will recognize you at training camp? You show up there with a buzz cut? Well, you know, when I first started on the beat, I had short hair. A lot of the I know players, our, our picture of you is short hair. Yeah. And when I showed up at training camp last year, a lot of the players were looking at me like, dude, like what happened? Like I, Chris Kreider was like, he gave me like a really funny look when I first walked in. And he, I mean, of course, they all joked like I look like Mika. I don't think I actually look like Mika. I think it's just the hair. Um, but yeah, so I threw them off last year. So now if I show up with like a buzz cut for training camp this year, they'll probably be like, you know, what the heck's going on here? But <laughs> that's fine. I'll keep everybody on their toes. Yeah, COVID was rough, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm done. I mean, you know, with the heat recently, it, it's a lot, man. It's 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 like I, I like it. It's fun, but it's also like it's too hot for all this right now. <laughs> well, like Vince playing I played golf the other day, and you know, you just with all this hair, I gotta tie it up or something. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for jumping on. Well, that's always a pleasure to have you on and uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. And maybe we'll catch up with you again during training camp. I know last time you got you on the way up to uh, the Hartford, we're, we're the, they're in the golf up there, right? In Rhode Island, wherever it was. So yeah, they did the, the, the team getaway for training camp yeah. in Rhode Island. I'm sure there'll be somewhere else we're going this year. So, so maybe I'll be able to fill in that, uh, you know, hour drive for you. So you can, you know, yeah, that worked. I know we hit some, I know we hit some bad service areas, but that worked out great. Cause I was just killing time in the car. So. <laughs> so definitely get back on and enjoy the summer. Enjoy your little guy there and, uh, and have fun. Cool. Thanks Kyle. Thank you so much to Vince for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate him coming in and sharing all his thoughts with the Rangers team. And obviously he's an extremely busy guy between his podcast, new ice city, you know, writing, you know, obviously doing all the writing he does. He's got a little guy at home. So, you know, I can appreciate that as a, as a father of a two-year-old, it is nonstop. So I can't thank him enough for coming on. I really can't thank all the Rangers reporters. You know, we've had Colin Stevenson on a couple of times, Vince's buddy from um, on the beat. And I, I really appreciate these guys taking the time to come on. The, the Ranger fans are really lucky. Between those two and Molly Walker and uh, Larry Brooks and Arthur Staple, they have some really good reporters for the Rangers right now. So uh, it, it's, it's a good thing for Ranger fans that these guys are so good at their jobs. Gives us that insight because, you know, without them, you you, you get nothing. So uh, they're great at what they do, and I really appreciate everything uh, that Vince and, and all those guys have done for us to come on the show. So thank you again to Vince for taking the time and his busy schedule as he's getting into the, his summer, hopefully a little bit you know lighter schedule here in the summer before ramping it back up in September for another season. So, uh, again, I cannot thank him enough. And that does it. For episode 91 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. And I cannot thank our listeners enough. We've gotten a great response on the past couple past couple of shows. I really appreciate it. Everyone really enjoyed our prospect talk with Chris Peters. And then I I you know on Twitter we post everything. I really thank everyone for participating and commenting and great DMs about the show. So thank you everyone who's paying who's listening. And, uh, and make sure if you are listening and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, 
Make sure you subscribe and get, and uh, please have on the bottom leave us a five star review. Every five star review we get, we're still teamed up with Alex's Lemonade Foundation. So a dollar is donated to the foundation for every five star review. We're coming up on a year now, almost at a hundred dollars raised for the foundation. Uh, so thank you to all of our listeners and anyone who's done that so far. If you haven't, please, it takes a minute out of your day, leave the five star review and help an amazing cause helping fight pediatric cancer. So I cannot thank everyone enough who's done that. Make sure you go and follow the show on uh, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review there. You can find the show on Google Play, Amazon Music, Spreaker, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. Make sure you follow the show on social media as well, at, on Twitter, at Broadway Hat Pod, my personal Twitter account, at KHOLNY for all New York Ranger updates. And you can find the show on uh, both Facebook and Instagram, at the Broadway Hat Podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.